Hi, and thanks for listening to the Turtle Talks podcast, a podcast which will cover the comings and goings of the Happy Dancing Turtle Garden crew through the upcoming year. We'll cover topics ranging from planning your garden to putting your garden to bed. Now, to learn more about us, go to happydancingturtle.org. Now, let's get started. This is a really good outline. Thank you. Um, it'll, it'll keep us going. So, yeah. All right. So, if you're just tuning in, this is our seventh podcast, uh, Turtle Talks with the Garden Crew. Uh, my name is Colin McLean, and I'm joined with Jim Chamberlain, Dave Wilson, and Allison Ryan, who all work very hard at the HDT Garden. Now, before we get to soil amendments and soil testing, we're going to pull Dave aside, and uh, we're going to find out what's been going on the past couple of weeks uh, in the garden update. What are you guys doing out there, Dave? Well, I'll tell you, Colin. Uh, we uh, started our PSA uh, on Monday. Uh, um, so it seemed like everyone was uh, happy with uh, with getting their CSA share. We had a lot of stuff that was ready to harvest. We uh, yeah, we've uh, harvested some uh, some mixed greens out there, which was um, some kale and some collard greens and. Myzuna and summer arugula. Oh boy, that's the spicy one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of, um, it's a little skunky. Yep. It's a little skunky smelling, but I like it. It's a good addition in the salad. Sure. Um, uh, we've been uh, seeding some root crops though for like some carrots and and of course the radishes and onions every week, uh, green onions, and then we. Uh, Put in all of our uh, all of our storage onions that we had started from seed in our soil blocks uh, that we've talked about. So we have all the storage onions um, in the ground. I guess we've been uh, working on uh, some more raised beds. We've been uh, digging some raised beds and mulching those, uh, and we're getting ready uh, some pole beans and um, and cucumbers to be putting them. And we started some uh, snow peas. Uh, couple of weeks ago and and they're up about uh, three inches right now so it's kind of cool i suppose it's starting to warm up now you're starting to see stuff green mm-hmm. out real fast right oh yeah yep yeah, yeah we're just uh, waiting on that warmer weather and this um next week here we'll be putting in um our squash and and our cucumbers and certain things like that so i hear that uh you're getting some help next week maybe you can talk a little bit about that or is that something i don't know um i don't really know what a woofer stands for <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember what a woofer stands for but um certain people that go around and just um learn things so they'll work uh, for you um if you uh, provide them like a place to stay and food to eat so so it's like almost free labor <laughs> um but that's cool i mean so i mean this is this is HGT's first woofer, so this is kind of an experiment. See if it works, works yeah. out, and everything. Yep. Oh. Uh, we've had like interns before, and and college students, and and Vista um, uh, people come. So, so I'm sure it'll be real similar to that. Well, thanks for uh, for your update, Dave. Uh, hopefully, you get a hold on all those caterpillars and everything, and uh, those leaves get uh, get to their plates clean and and, and full. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Oh Lord, I see what brings me here. It's a mother to all my wanderings. The vow.
If you're a constant listener, we have covered pretty much every aspect of soil health. And we've covered how important it is to have healthy soil and what are the, the, the benefits of that. Well, then how do you ask yourself, well, geez, how do I know if I have healthy soil? Uh, one tried and true method, I guess, would be just to plant a seed and then wait six months to see if, uh, if what you get is what you want. Or Once again, Colin shows his knowledge. <laughs> we have very few plants in Minnesota that take six months to mature. Um, we don't even have a six-month growing season, cross-free. So, <laughs> um, Ouch. <laughs> I felt that one over here. <laughs> oh, I need sunburn. <laughs> Sunscreen. <laughs> that, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, as I was saying, uh, one of the better ways would be get your soil tested, right? Or you could use the shovel test. What's that? You just go out with a shovel and dig in the soil and see what it looks like. Well, to a, a rank amateur like me, I wouldn't know what I'm looking at. Well, if you dug in and it was hard and compacted and, and not, didn't smell good, didn't smell earthy and fresh, smelled stank and rank... You know, yeah, rank. yeah. It, it's. I mean, you could if if you have the experience. Though. Are there worms? Are there you know bugs crawling around in it? Is does it seem alive or does it just seem like a a dead mass of dirt? Is grass growing out of it? Is that a good sign? Could be. Yeah. 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 Um, funny thing, when I was preparing for this podcast i checked out soil testing on google i googled it right nice and yeah <laughs> and top of the list it says we top of the list hdt does soil testing <laughs> no, we don't do that do we with the shovel method <laughs> but no. second was the university of minnesota and that's kind of what i'm getting at is they actually if you wanted to find a, a you know the exact nutrients or whatever are in your soil you could scoop up a bit and, and send it there maybe you could tell us a little bit about what they do there what, what what kind of tests do they run so most soil tests test for chemical nutrients rather than what's biologically in your soil um, they are coming up with some um biological mass assay tests that you can t test the biological um, components of your soil. What, what does that tell you? A traditional soil test that you would get at the university will tell you what chemicals, chemicals or elements are, are lacking in your soil and how to amend those typically chemically. The difference is when you have a biologically active and healthy soil the biological component makes more nutrients available to your plants that these tests don't test for by their um, either feeding or defecating or dying 
these uh, biological creatures make these nutrients available to plants, and and that's they just don't test for that. Well, um, phosphorus is another one. When I worked at the NRC, at the USDA office, or at, yeah, at the so when I worked for the Soil and Water Conservation District, the NRCS, I worked with the Natural Resource Conservation Service in the same office, and anytime they would write a farm management plan, there would be soil tests to go along with that to see where they're at, and every soil test that came in had much more phosphorus in the soil than was needed to grow the crop, but that phosphorus was in the form that wasn't available to the plant. Phosphorus is a very complicated nutrient. It has both the ability to be a cation and an anion. It can have a negative and a negative or a positive chain, uh, negative or positive chemical reaction charge, depending on the form it's in. And if it's in the wrong form, it's not available to the plant. So the recommendation, if, if, if there wasn't enough phosphorus in the usable form, the recommendation was to add phosphorus in a usable form, even though there's plenty in the soil. Keep piling it on. Right. right? Yeah. Um, if you have a biologically active soil, it will take that phosphorus and convert it to a usable form for you. The biology will. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, so, so you get your test back. Right, and you say, oh man, I'm, I'm low on K phosphorus, right? That's potassium, sorry. Potassium. K, is potassium. K is potassium. Phosphorus is pH. pH. And PK. PK. Okay. Three macronutrients. So yeah, so you have those, well, I mean, we got the, the 10, 10, 10 right down here, right? That's the potassium, phosphorus, and nitrogen, nitrogen right? You just go to the store and pick up that stuff, right? Sure can. Yeah. I mean, so if you get, a, get your test back and say, hey, I'm low on nitrogen, I'll just go to the store and pick up a bag of it and throw it on my garden, right? Problem solved. You should talk to Gary Zimmer about that. Oh, yeah. Who's Gary Zimmer? <laughs> uh, Gary Zimmer's a nutrient management specialist. He's written several books, um, and he can break down your nutrients, whether they're macronutrients or micronutrients and tell you exactly how to balance your soil, the nutrients in your soil, so that you have a perfectly balanced soil, which is good to have that ability. But it's very complicated, because if you get too much of one, it's going to tie up another one, and you almost have to be a chemist to be able to figure out how to do that. Sounds like a lab, you know, just a little dirtier, right, out there? No. (laughs) <laughs> they keep the labs clean where they do the testing, but yeah. That's okay, that's okay. This so is the lead into Dr. Elaine. Yeah, so, so we can talk a little bit about how, how hard it is, how difficult it is to, to, to fine-tune your soil. But there is an easier method that's already out there, right? We can talk a little bit about maybe composting? Compost? Yeah. Compost, that's you just dump that on there and, and, and pretty much everything you need is right in there, right? You know something about compost? <laughs> I don't know anything about <laughs> compost. Maybe you should tell me about it. <laughs> know, what do we know about compost, guys? So I was studying Gary Zimmer for, for two or three years. I went to a couple Acres USA conferences where Gary and sat through a, one particularly long hour and a half presentation by Gary Zimmer. And I thought I knew quite a bit going in, and I came out more confused 
than when I entered the room. Um, I came out of there, my head spinning, um, the notes I took, which people who know me, I don't take many notes, but the notes I did take made no sense when I came back and reviewed them later. <laughs> they just got me more confused. Later on that same winter, I was at a, at the, the Minnesota Department of Ag Organic Conference down in St. Cloud, and Dr. Elaine Ingham, who I had been following since the mid-90s for probably a decade at that time at least, um, was one of the speakers at the conference. Um, Dr. Ingham was a, is a soil biologist. She, she helped uh, develop the Soil Biology Primer that is a publication of the, um, of the Soil Conservation Society and um, it's on the Natural Resource Conservation Service website. Um, it's a little 19-page booklet on the soil biology and the, the, the cycles that happen, the food webs in, in the soil. So I was at the buffet line early in the morning. You guys that know me, I was a baker. I'm always up early in the morning. So it was still quiet, and I was getting my, getting my, my food. I got my plate full of food, and I was balancing my food and my coffee. And I went to go sit down. There was hardly anybody in the room. I went to go sit down and, and almost bumped into this lady, and I looked at her name tag, and it was Dr. Ingham. And so I introduced myself. and Did you fangirl of, all over? Yeah, yeah, I had to <laughs> stumble and, and sputter and spit a little bit to get some words out and tell her that she was my hero. And, and um, I went on to explain that I was really looking forward to her presentation. I had been studying the work that Gary Zimmer does and trying to understand how to balance nutrients and started in on a little spiel about how complicated it was that if you get too much potassium, it's going to tie up your, your calcium or however it all works. And after about 30 seconds or so, she stopped me and, and gently put her hand on my shoulder. And she said, well, Jim, that's why we make compost, because if you have good compost and good healthy soil, all that stuff just kind of balances out and we don't really have to worry about it. So that's our slogan here at Happy Dancing Turtle is that's why we make compost and um, solves a lot of our problems because we let the microbes, we let that livestock in our soil do the job. pile of compost. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit about how, how we make it here. I mean, I know we get it from food scraps from the kitchen, but we also do other stuff, right? Maybe, Dave, maybe you want to talk a little bit about mm -hmm. what goes into it. Uh, yeah, when we uh, just start adding to our compost pile, we add uh, some food scraps. We don't like to put too much raw meat or uh, milk, certain things like that in there, because uh, uh, that can kind of attract unwanted kind of pests. Raccoons and stuff? Compost, yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, so we just try to add um, just all the other all the other food scraps. Uh, we use like vegetation that we 
pull out of the gardens when we weed or do any trimming, cutting down the old uh, vegetation out of the gardens and off the berms, we just put it in the compost pile and then throughout the summer, we'll just keep kind of rotating that and then we'll add water to it. But we don't want our compost pile like over four feet tall. That's normally what they say. So we keep it about uh, four feet tall and kind of um, uh, kind of dish out the center of it so when it rains and stuff it'll kind of uh, trap water um, in the center of it. That helps the de decomposition? Yeah. yeah. Yep. In the fall I'll use the skid steer and we'll bring it down to the south part of the garden and let it rest there over the winter. So so we actually have uh, three separate compost piles and one will be like the finished compost and then the other one is um, halfway composted and then uh, we have a fresher one down there. So, you know, so we just have sort of a rotation uh, with our, our compost piles that we use. Um, so, I mean, so you talked about the milk and... A couple and, things. You yeah. want to be careful using half... Comp if, if your compost isn't fully composted, you want to be careful with that. You don't want to put any of that on a, on a food product that um, is, how do they say it, typically eaten raw. Like, a, like an um, apple or... Like lettuce. Lettuce, lettuce. or sure. anything like that that isn't cooked because it can have E. coli or salmonella in it. Um, Good to know. So it should be fully composted, especially if it has animal manures in it. So what does it look like? Oh, sorry, what does it look like when, when it's completely... It should be just like... It should look just like rich, dark soil. It should look... And it should smell and it good. Smell it doesn't clean, smell like... Clean and earthy. It shouldn't mm -hmm. smell sour or rotten. rotten, right? If our compost pile starts to stink a little bit, we'll throw in a thick layer of of straw to get that carbon ratio up because even it out. if your mm -hmm. if your compost piles starting to stink too much nitrogen too much nitrogen if it's not heating up then not en then not enough nitrogen and too much carbon mm -hmm. so that's kind of the simple way to balance your compost pile so um, you should turn your compost pile if you really want to keep your compost pile working you should turn your compost every every week or two um, we typically turn ours a couple times maybe three times a summer and, and and usually it takes us a couple of years to finish our compost. Mm -hmm. the, the better you take care of it and the more accurate you are with your ratios and the more you turn it and watch your temperature, the faster you'll get compost. Um, but if you use kind of our common sense techniques, um, you're still going to get good compost at the end. It just takes longer. And uh, we just, we don't have the time inputs. Yeah, you got other um, stuff to do. Sure, we'll sure. Go. Well, we use compost tea and stuff too, but... Now, yeah, describe what is a compost tea. That's, that's not for human consumption, is it? No. <laughs> no, not that kind of tea. No. Compost tea is, um, I uh, think of it as a probiotics uh, for your soil. Um, uh, so we just make ours with, um, with rainwater that we catch. So we have um, a rain catchment system. It rains. Yeah. Uh, so we'll um, uh, put some rainwater in like a small Rubbermaid trash can and then um, we'll uh, um, add some air stones to that um, and we have a little air pump that we um, oxi oxygenate that water. Uh, yeah, you have yeah. to keep it aerobic because aerobic situations will grow healthy uh, bacteria and biology and aerobic areas will grow uh, bad biology and it'll get kind of stagnant kind of like a 
like a swamp or a slough that's not moving, you know, it, it, it stinks and, and there's always like algae and uh, we'll uh, take some some good compost and, and soil and mix it up in this little satchel or, or bag that we use. And uh, normally we use a little jelly and then um, put that in a satchel and then we'll hang it in that barrel of, of water and just aerate that and then we'll um, add uh, uh, just some molasses to that. And the um, <laughs> sweeten it up, huh? Why yeah, not? <laughs> yep. uh, so the biology um, and those bacteria will uh, start to consume the sugars in there, and then uh, the, uh, their numbers can like triple and, and quadruple in, in like 24 hours. And then after um, after 24 hours, then we can either do like a foliar feed um, if we see like any um, spots or anything uh, here on your plants if they look sick or unhealthy like that we can do like a foliar feed either in the morning or or later in the day because mm. you don't want to do any foliar feeds like that when it's hot and the sun's shining because it'll burn your leaves so so we either do that um or uh, uh or we'll just water um around the base of the plant um and that really um seems to perk them up and and it um seems to make them strong and healthy Okay, to go back to soil testing, it's not that soil testing is irrelevant. We use soil testing to do as light a, kind of a snapshot of where we are in time. So, um, so we do soil testing, um, and we test for our macronutrients, our NPNK, our, our nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, calcium, magnesium, um, and then we'll do micronutrients too, and our soils in our region that have a geological history with glaciers have different characteristics. They might be a little, they might be more, more, more calcareous, have higher levels of calcium versus magnesium. So those are kind of things you have to look at. And that's going to come down to how you balance your soil pH wise. pH can fluctuate quite a bit um, depending on moisture levels and temperature. So that soil test is just kind of a snapshot in time of where you are on your pH. You know, and after you do that two or three times over a period of several years, um, you know, you'll get an idea where your where your pH is and, and whether you need to balance that that calcium magnesium ratio. Different soils are, are short in different micronutrients. So one thing that we found we're short on is boron and copper. Boron? Boron and copper. <laughs> so without those micronutrients you can have problems with your plants. So we tend to add a little bit of that you know, based on the soil test. So so look at those soil tests, um, see where we're at according to that soil test, and then we tend to try to under-apply versus over-apply. Uh, this is turning into a, a chemistry lab here, and so I think we should cut it quick, cut it short now and, uh, and, uh, and get back to the soil. We, uh, we're just going to sign off real quick. Uh, if you do have any questions, please feel free to contact us at info at happydancingturtle.org. Or just go to our website at www.happydancingtotal.org. Um, we really appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>